Welcome to Bonehead. Today, goodbye. Hello. Start credits. <laughs> <laughs>
But would you, even with all the money in the world, can you and still get the Hitchhiker's Guide? And I think there's still going to be there. It's going to come out. There's going to be another movie. Oh, I'm sure yeah. because it's that's the thing. The story is timeless. Douglas Adams had a had a voice, had a sense of humor that a is very British, is very English, and just no one sounds quite like it. And no. why is it funny? Why is it funny talking about the infinite drive? Why is it funny talking about all these things? It's what James and I have talked about George Carlin. You can buy George Carlin's books and read them, and when you're reading them to yourself, you read it in and you hear it in your mind as George Carlin's voice. And then if you do the joke out loud to someone else, you go, huh, <coughs> it's not the same. No, yeah, it's all about the well, And I, I think that's part of the problem with Adams. Like you said, even just... There's parts that are impossible to adapt, and I will use impossible in the truest sense of the word. You, that line, sitting next to an interesting shade, shade of blue. blue. Right? I'm not, did I screw it up? If I did, I'm so sorry. But it's something along those lines. But there's so much of that, and I mean, even the movie tries to do it, where they use the improbability mm. drive, blah, 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 and it turns them into couches, and it does. But there's so much of it. I, I, um, I, I kind of the same way with um, A Wrinkle on Time. My wife took my kids to see it, and she says it, it's just not, it's good, but they can't adapt the book. Because there's parts in the book where they go two-dimensional, and how do you do that on the screen without people going, Whoa. And I don't want to get off topic. I don't want to talk about movie adaptations, because no, we've no, talked but, about that a lot. But but I think that's <coughs> one of the big challenges with Douglas Adams. If you do want to make him visual, you can read him, and it's great. And it's great. And I want, because everything here that I want to talk about specifically has had a movie made out of it, but I don't know that any of them have made had a successful movie made out of them. And they're all timeless stories. <laughs> well, maybe not John dies at the end, but it's pretty damn good. But Douglas Adams died too soon. He mm -hmm. was not an old man, but he stretched the imagination. Uh, Neil Gaiman, we were talking about Neil Gaiman before the show started, has talked about he never knew an author who worked harder on writing less. Uh, if you know anything about the writing of The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, he basically just kind of quit. Mm -hmm. and that's the reason the book ends in a certain way it does, is because, and oh, we're going to go to the restaurant and then the end of the universe, which is the next book. And it's just he had a deadline and had to turn it in. It's, what, it's maybe 200 pages? Yeah. yeah. Uh, he was a lazy writer. Uh, he would like to have done other things, but it doesn't make him any less of a genius, and it's timeless. Well, and the humor in it, I just... I reread it. Actually, I re-listened to it. I, if you ever get a chance, if you don't want to read, I recommend the audio version, which is written by Stephen Fry. And if you've seen the movie, Stephen Fry is the voice of the <clears throat> is the voice of the Hitchhiker's Guide, the book. And I guess I should have gave a plot line. Basically, it opens up with a British man. Oh God, I can't believe I forgot. <laughs> Freeman, let's Arthur. <laughs> Arthur, Arthur Dent. Thank you, Arthur Dent. His friend Ford Prefect, which is a joke that no one gets in America because Ford Prefect was a car in England. Yeah. And that's who he's named after. He just accidentally picked that name when he showed up as an alien. They're hitchhiking off the planet. And the book that they carry with them is The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. And it is the most important book in the galaxy. It's the one that everyone carries with you. And you should always, and on the back of it, it says, Don't panic. And you should always bring a towel. Yes. Right? A towel is always handy. Now, if you're thinking this all sounds ridiculous, it is ridiculous. Douglas Adams makes, makes something ridiculous into one of the best books I've ever written or ever read that I would recommend to anyone to read before the day they die. And I try to consider myself until my son was here an avid reader, and I still try to read. Once again, even if you don't want to read it, Get the audio version. You can get it at your local library for free. And listen to Stephen Fry read it to you on your commute to work. It's it's amazing. I just can't throw enough superlatives well, at it. And I don't want to go on and on. I'm taking up a lot of time. No, I, did, I want to throw in, though, too, one of the things that makes it work is it, it's commentary on so many different things without beating you over the head with it. Oh, it's commentary on bureaucracy, yep. on, on, on what in life is important. I mean, because that's one of the main questions. What's the answer to life, the the universe, and everything? Well, the answer is 42. The question is what you're looking for. What do you mean? I just asked the question. Well, that's not a proper question. Yeah, yeah. I, and it's, that sounds ridiculous. This, but, the, the, <coughs> the idea of bureaucracy ending people's homes and the earth. doing things like this, and that's what ends up causing the end of the earth and all this stuff, because, of course, there's a better bureaucracy than we have. Uh, out there in the cosmos. It's just, it sounds ludicrous, but it's 
It's it's fun and thought provoking without being at the expense of fun. Yes, that's it. Next, I'm gonna jump on that one because Douglas Adams is also one of my favorite authors, <clears throat> and um, I was looking for the author I'm gonna recommend is A. Lee Martinez, and the reason being is wasn't he on Santa Barbara? No. Oh Mar- man, Martinez. A. Martinez. Is he on Santa Barbara? I know he was. On, I thought he was on L. A. Law. A. Martinez? Was he on L.A. Law? I know he's on Santa Barbara. Pretty sure. We've got the same actor, right? We've got the same actor. Okay. No, this is A. Lee Martinez. Mm, A. Martinez. If you want to do Bonehead, we'd love to have you. The reason I like him so much is he reminds me a lot of Douglas Adams. Now, it's not that he doesn't write exactly the same, but his level of humor is right up there with Douglas Adams. Uh, He's one... um, The best thing that I like about him, he has a ton of books, and each book is self-contained. Okay. And... Because, you know, well, you read, like, Stephen King, there's a lot of elements that... Throughout. Throughout. A. Lee Martinez doesn't seem to have that. Every book he writes has had his own unique voice, in my opinion. <laughs> um, so you think his voice changes from book to book? Yes, I do. Oh, that's yeah. neat. And uh, some of my favorite books um, for him, and I don't have any on the table, but Monster, Gil's All Fright Night Diner, Emperor Mollusk versus the Sinister Brain, The Automatic Detective and Chasing the Moon. Those are some of the examples. He has many more. Uh, my favorite book of his is, is Monster. And I'm going to read the description of the book so people get an idea. Uh, meet Monster, meet Judy. Two humans who don't like each other much, but together must fight dragons, fire-breathing felines, trolls, Inuit walrus dogs, and a crazy cat lady for the future of the universe. Monster runs a pest control agency. He's overworked and, dom- and has domestic troubles like having the girlfriend from hell. Judy works the night shift at a local food, food plus mart. Not the most glamorous life, but Judy is happy. No one bothers her if she has to spell out things for the night manager every now and again. But when Judy finds a Yeti in the freezer aisle, eating all the Rocky Road, her life collides with Monster in a rather alarming fashion. And um, so in the book, she's this, there's this guy named Monster, for some reason, who goes around capturing things. Uh, crypt, cryptic. Cryptozoology. Uh, and it's a, there's a lot of... All of his books have me laughing. They're all supernatural based. This show's very serious. <laughs> Keep going. I haven't woke up yet. I just want to interject. No, I, I, this I just wanted to know. This show's what very yeah. serious. Does it go into why the Yeti likes Rocky Road? No. In the plethora of ice cream flavors, I legitimately just wanted to know. Do you not like Rocky Road? Is it got nuts in it? It's got nuts and marshmallows and chocolate. And marshmallows not, and chocolate are good. Not in ice cream. Yeah, have you ever had chocolate marshmallow? I don't like marshmallows. What? I'm that, sorry. Y'all don't like. Uh, coconut. I, I don't like eating insane. things that taste like yeah, uh, earplugs. Yeah, but you also like that banana cake thing that was at your wedding. Yeah, you're, you're gross with your banana. Th- I'm sorry that my wedding disappointed you. All don't worry, it disappointed my wife as well. Go <laughs> about your business, talk about your book. I don't think we could just stop at his wife on that. <laughs> I don't... I'm sorry. Bananas. I'm sorry. <laughs> it is the best run, but that's about all bananas I've got going for it. You know, juicy fruit is actually based on banana. Do you like juicy fruit? I do like juicy fruit. But juicy like, fruit doesn't taste anything like, it like a banana. banana. It tastes like a banana that's now extinct. There's a history of that. Look it up. Go ahead with your book. Anyway. Well, that would have been way better than this episode. Cut. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm all stuck on bananas. But uh, You're so bananas. So B-A-N-A-N-A-S. Tally me banana. Rachel. <laughs> Get your well, birthday. I'm more of a Chandler man. <laughs> Not the reference I'm going for. I know. Chandler. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. Chandler. Chandler. He's neurotic. You are kind of more Chandler. Nobody knows what you do for a living exactly. I know. And I like it that way. Mm -hmm. Um, Including your work. You know, Gil's All Friday Night Diner is about a werewolf and a vampire stopping at a diner in the middle of nowhere and having to deal with an array of supernatural activities like a, uh, a horde of zombies. I'd, yeah. re- I'd read that. Divine misfortune about two people who can't get a break, so they look online for a god to worship, <laughs> and they they uh, they stumble upon the raccoon god of prosperity. Oh, honest to god, I now actually yeah, raccoon god of prosperity. <laughs> you just so, sold. What's yeah. the name of that book? It's called Divine Misfortune. That's amazing. Yeah. Do you have a copy? No. This was all at your local library, and I just happened to st- one day I just read Douglas Adams. And I was obsessed. I was like, I have to... And, of course, you know, there's not a whole lot of Douglas Adams out there. He did. He tried not to write. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I was just... I was in the... the uh, one, I, was in the sec, I was in the science fiction section. I ran into 
A. Lee Martinez, and I read Monster, the first book, and then I just kept reading. I read about eight of his books in a row. Damn. Yeah. And uh, there's also Chasing the Moon, which is about a woman who rents an apartment for uber cheap, and once she goes in, the door disappears, and she's suddenly charged with protecting the world from this, mon- this uh, monster with an insatiable appetite who's always trying to get out to eat the moon. Yeah, I'm sold. Yeah. <laughs> he's, a, he's a great author, and most of his books are really short, which you're, is a p- plus. Yeah, you're going to have to speak up, though. Because of my, my loud shoes. Your loud shoes. <laughs> wah, wah. I didn't know they made road cones that small. <laughs> You just I'm gone blind. I looked directly at them. I love you, Robin Williams, but he just Robin Williams my joke. I made that joke before yeah. anybody showed up, and he just stole it from me. I don't remember you making that joke. I did. I said I could go. Ah, never mind. Uh, here's a side note. Another reason why I really love him, Haley Martinez, is in when he dedicates his books, he dedicated one of his books to Booster Gold. Bryce. <laughs> <laughs> Why a booster gold? It's not even a real person. <laughs> well, it's like I dedicate this book to my mom and dedicate, somebody else and booster gold. I dedicate this book to Cthulhu. But I feel Ailey Martinez. Oh my Martinez, God, I will dedicate every book to Cthulhu if somebody will fund me. Ailey Martinez, he's just a, he's just a nerd just like me. Um, so that's my first author, James. He's, uh, he's successful. He's yeah. got books. I wouldn't say he's just like you, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> his shoes are a little bit more dapper. You don't have, have you seen his shoes? Um, I've seen his feet. Well, one thing, by the way, I went through it, and Douglas Adams, you talked about how he avoided writing. When he passed away, the last book wasn't yet published. Is that correct? Or he was working on something. And the only reason I bring this up to circle back to this, because you both brought him up, one of my favorite stories about him was on his computer, they found something like 18 copies of whatever he was working on. And as they were like, well, we need the most recent one, they loaded them all, and sometimes out of 120 pages there'd only be one or two words different. But he had saved them all because, and he had left notes going, the words aren't right, the words aren't right. And he would not let it go. I mean, we're talking minor words too. Anyway, I'm going to I'm gonna talk about Harlan Ellison, but I want to talk about somebody else first because Harlan Ellison is my obvious one. Uh, I'm going to go a little bit... I didn't go with Stephen King's all I want to point out. Because you've done more episodes we, yeah, about Stephen King. We haven't done you know four what? episodes on Harlan Ellison. Yeah, no, but, we but do... we've done 20 episodes where he's brought up. You're making me defend James. I hope you're happy with yourself. We've done at least 20 episodes where he's brought up. Yeah, well, we do a lot of episodes... Counterpoint. Where... We do a lot of episodes with your face, and we need to stop doing that, too. <laughs> Count it. He's gonna spew. <laughs> I believe, spew, bitch! <laughs> I believe that counts as a burn. <laughs> Somebody get him some aloe. Might want to rub, um, rub some aloe on that taint. <laughs> I'm gonna actually. By the way, that's our new Kickstarter. <laughs> Rubbing aloe on your my taint. Well, it's one of the prizes you get if you donate enough money. And that's why we're gonna. Fail that's the reason why we're gonna fail. I'm gonna talk succeed. about. I'm gonna talk about somebody that a lot of people don't know, and that's Gertie Norman. Um, Gertie Norman is a Kentucky author. He's local, uh, ish for us at least. But um, yeah, I was gonna I say, if, he, if the person, if the person listening to us is in Wisconsin, he's not local, James. Compared to the people who watch this in India, Abu yeah, Dhabi. Sure um, but these are these are two of his books. Istanbul. Um, Ken Folks is phenomenally well known because it's actually a book that's never went out of print, which is a big deal in the book world. It's been in consistent print since it was published. It follows. Uh, see my copies autographed. Yeah. Anyway. Um, uh, it follows Wilgus. Watch your head. He's name dropping. Uh, it follows <laughs> Watch Wilgus. those road codes. <laughs> it follows Wilgus, and it's basically about growing up poor in Appalachia and stuff like that. What I do love about Gurney Norman was he wrote this book, and the book I couldn't find to bring with me that I wanted to show is Divine Rights Trip. And I brought up the Divine Rights Trip to Joe and Chad, I think, before. Divine Rights Trip, if you like, uh, if you like Hunter S. Thompson or Jack Kerouac. They're nothing like that. You need to read Divine Rights Trip, and here's why. If you had me held a gun to my head and said you needed to create a road trip style book collection, uh, Kerouac would definitely be in there for On the Road, but uh, Gurney Norman's Divine Rights Trip should be in the middle between it and uh, Fear and Loathing in, in Las Vegas. What about uh, Lord of the Rings? Could, um, we could do a whole episode on Lord there. of the Rings is technically a road trip movie. I'm yeah. talking about... Shut up. Um, I'm talking about you shutting up. No, Divine Rights Trip Someone's is the bandit. Uh, Gurney Norman is. A, 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 it's not a, a book. He he bought the novelization. Bought the novelization. It's and a then pop- Jerry Reed said, "It's a anyway. pop-up book." 
Look, the car jumps. Oh, wait, that's his You can make his hat go up and down. <laughs> anyway. Burt Reynolds going to get it on his cap top. <laughs> uh, probably for most people in our audience, I would recommend Divine Rights Trip as a place to start with Gertie Norman. This is a book he's done more recently called Ancient Creek, which is kind of this mythological kind of sort of Robin Hood. And they're fighting against this evil company, um, or this evil uh, government organization ran by uh, Lord Condominium. It's a social commentary on that. But Divine Rights Trip Thinly veiled. Um, <laughs> Divine Rights Trip is about Divine Right and his trip in a Volkswagen bus fueled by drugs across America. Wait, the van's fueled by drugs? Actually, at one point, the, the Volkswagen minibus does actually take a chapter because we'll, uh, because um, Divine Right is too strung out to talk. So the, the bus starts to talk in its place and talks about everything that it's seen. Um, it is an update loosely of the story of St. George versus the dragon. Um, and so that's what it, it's about. You read a book. Uh, anyway, St. George. <laughs> I done and uh, went and read a few of them. Well, yeah, but obviously you don't, and know, went and you don't read. know that story. Anyway. Done and um, went and read. So Divine Rats Trip is an update of that. But does board, go, does board game rules instructions count as books? Because I've read plenty of those. What about the ones that came to the Masters of the Universe? Those little books? Yeah. <laughs> those. I read those. I read a shit ton of those, dude. <laughs> anyway. So uh, Jack Kerouac and Hunter Give S. Thompson are definitely... <laughs> You wake up for me. You can't. You can't be quiet when I'm going. You, you let I gave him a the cup wild of cherry diet Pepsi. Kicked I gave him a cup of coffee. Anyway, and waiting on you for an hour and a half. He had diet cherry. Dirty Norman is probably an author not a lot of people know, but right, he so. writes so many different types of books, um, and he's just uh, he, he's he's really talented. And Divine Rights Trip, I don't know how it's been overlooked in that Kerouac and Hunter S. Thompson type world. Um, Ken Folks, like I said, is really well known. Um, it's been used in literacy programs, but it's never, to my knowledge, went out of print, which was at one point its big claim to fame. Uh, because usually books go in and out of print, and uh, Ken Folks has not. But Divide and Rights Trip is one that most people should know about, and I feel that they don't. And it's a, it's a really good book that looks at, again, that road trip phenomenon and does so in a pretty entertaining way while also hearkening back to the classic story of St. George versus the Dragon. So check it out. That would be Gertie Norman, though. Um, if you like small town, almost Mayberry type stuff, Ken Folks. If you like social commentary, Ancient Creek. And if you like road trips Thin and drugs, revealed. if you like road trips and drugs, Divine Rights Trip. Check them you out. Just don't pick us up. You just described everything about Too Wong Fu. Thanks for everything, Julie Newmar. <laughs> Which was based on the Gurney Norman story. I have no data to back that up, but you really should read <laughs> Divine Rights Trip. I'm just saying, if they like road trips and drugs, they probably should pick us up. I'll you got anything up, else going on? I'll just end up being the designated driver again. That'd be funny. Uh, all right, Joe. So what are you going to talk about next? Julia Tired Child's How to Baste a Turkey? Mm, let's not talk about sex so so quickly. Let's move on to Richard Matheson. Ooh, you stickle beast. I did. It's a horrible Julia Child. As uh, Arrows is, uh, his friends called him Dick Matheson. I have nothing yes. to back that up. His son's actually R.C. Matheson, who is a Richard Christian Matheson. He's also a writer and that a successful writer. succeeded his father in many ways, creating a franchise we all know. Bill and Ted? Bill and Ted. Bill and Ted. I, I would he also wrote argue. one of the best Masters of Horror that we brought up. He wrote the Toby Hooper one, The Damn Thing. Yeah. About the small town. That's actually mm -hmm. a pretty good one. Yeah. Um, too bad his dad never lived up to his level. Too bad, <laughs> yeah. By, reading, by writing probably one of the best vampire novels ever written. So, or one of the best horror books ever written. So, I Am Legend has been made into a picture three times officially. Several dozen times unofficially. unofficially. What, real quick, and I know we're not talking about movies. What do you think the worst adaptation is? Probably the Omega Man. That's what I think yeah, Omega Man is. Because at least Will Smith got half of it right. Yeah. I don't know that the Omega Man gets any of it right. <laughs> and it's not a terrible movie. It's just a bad movie if you've ever seen the book. Oh, I was going to say, Omega Man is the NRA's version. It's the NRA, yeah, probably, yeah. It's a very 70s. And it's an action film. It's an action film, film that doesn't, yeah. So, <laughs> it wasn't until Will Smith made I Am Legend that someone actually called it I Am Legend. It was made into a movie. Probably the best adaptation, even though Richard Matheson didn't care for it, by the way, was the Vincent Price, Last Man on Earth. It's probably the most close, uh, 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 close to it. It was made in the Omega Man, starring Charles um, 
Nelson Riley. Charles Nelson Riley in the 70s. Oh my God, I would have watched it. Almost said <laughs> Chuck Schumer. I don't know why. Charles Nelson Riley. You get away. Charlton Helston. It started Charlton Helston. And, and then the Will Smith one that was made in the 2000s, and that's probably the one most people have seen. If you've seen that one, they get a, the first half of that movie, they get fairly close. They, uh, I'm going to talk about several or two or three of his books really quick. I Am Legend is probably one of the best well-known ones. It is a groundbreaking piece of literature in the sense of Richard Matheson wrote about vampires and they take over the earth and there's one man left and every night he he goes and hides. He's got a compound and at day he goes out and kills and hunts vampires. And why is that called I Am Legend? Well, I don't want to give spoiler alert away, but this is the thing that movies never get and what makes it so stupendous is that we realize that we've been following we've been following the 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 villain the boogeyman the boogeyman He's he the is boogeyman. the boogeyman he is legend i am legend because the rest of the world is vampires now and in the middle and of the have night moved on. and have moved on the world has evolved and he's killing them at night. And basically you think, oh, he's trying to exterminate and find someone else. And they're starting to evolve even more where some of them can come out during the day in the sun. And no, because the world has moved on, he has left behind and he is the boogeyman. Sorry to give that away. But in 19, I can't remember, 50 something when the book came out, no one was talking about that. No one thought about that. No one would have thought to write a book about that. And that's the thing that the movies, if you've ever seen any of them, kind of leave. Vincent Price one probably gets closest to it. Is that you've been following for three quarters of a book, the villain. Because everyone has moved on. He's the villain. He is legend. The other great book that he wrote that I, I love, it's my favorite haunted house book, and I'm so sorry, sorry to piss on The Haunting and Shirley Jackson, which is a good book in on to itself, although actually that's one of those few things, a few times I will say that I prefer the movie. I prefer Robert Wise as the movie over the book. I know, I, there's people out there that would skin me alive and burn me at the stake for making that statement. That would take a lot of time. <laughs> which part, the skinning <laughs> or the burning? Both. Both. <laughs> It's Hell House. I like burning tires. <laughs> Richard Madison wrote Hell House. Hell House is a fantastic book about a haunted house. And they made a really good movie about it. Why does his corpse burn like peeps? <laughs> peeps. <laughs> they made a really good movie about it from the 70s uh, called The Legend of Hell House. It holds up pretty well. Although I feel like Hell House is probably one of those that you could be remade today. Oh, yeah. yeah. And if you could do it right, you could do it better. Or at least do it just as well. It's it's in one of those timeless things. If you're a Twilight Zone fan, I've said this before, I'll say it one more time. If you think, oh man, I love that episode with, I will tell you that whatever that episode is, I'm starting to sound like Harlan Nelson, it was written by three people. It was either written by Ron Serling, Charles Beaumont, or this cat, Richard Matheson. If you think back on Twilight Zone, Twilight Zone episodes, oh, you know, the day on the street, and I, it was written by Blank. Yeah, oh, that was uh, the guy that's screaming. It was written by him. It was written by one of those three people. They wrote all of the great Twilight Zone episodes that you remember. All of them. They're written by those three. They didn't write every episode. Rod Serling wrote all the time, so it's hard not to get a bunch of them that he didn't write. But Charles Beaumont, which was a pseudonym for, I can't remember his actual real name. He died early. And then Richard Matt, they were all friends. And... Charles Beaumont was not able to live past the 60s to become the legend that probably Richard Matheson and Rod Serling were able to. What were you going to say, James? Matheson also did We've Always Lived in the Castle. Is that correct? Probably. He also direct, uh, He also wrote the book of What Dreams May Come, if you're a fan of that as well. There's a Robin Williams mo uh, movie made out of that. I'm just trying to think of the other ones that people would know. What's the, what's the, is the, was he bound in the Hulu series? I'm Richard Matheson also was think, basically you Philip K. Dick's Electric Dreams. No, um, you mean the Man in the High Castle? That's also yeah. Philip K. Dick. Okay, sorry. Um, so wait, 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 I wait, could have done a whole episode on Philip K. Dick. No, that's what I was thinking about. I, I, <laughs> I on those two, I get them confused. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. Richard Matheson also because wrote. Because you are a dick. No, <laughs> I guess we've always lived in the castle, which I think is Matheson. Richard Matheson also wrote some groundbreaking television in the 70s. People forget. He's the one that wrote The Night Stalker. If you're a fan of that, 
Yeah, of of X-Files. Of, of the X-Files. That's all based on Kolchak. The uh, Night Stalker. The no, was, Night Stalker with Gary McGavin. Castle? Charlemagne. He wrote that. He wrote the... Uh, Pretty sure he lived in the castle. Trilogy of, <laughs> the trilogy of terror with the Zuni doll at the yeah. end that people remember from the 70s. This guy wrote it. All right. Joe he is pointing it. to the Richard Matheson book for you iTunes and SoundCloud listeners. Absolutely. Uh, thank you, Chad, for reminding me. I completely forgot. If you're listening to us, check out Richard Matheson. He was probably one of the biggest influences on Stephen King. Stephen King has said it before. You know, there's Lovecraft. There's all these other ones. But as far as an actual direct influence, he says probably Richard Matheson's number one. I, I just... I don't think he gets enough credit. I think there's a lot of those things that we've forgotten that he wrote that have influenced so many other things. I know everyone's got one of those stories, and people probably remember Richard Matheson quicker than they do. Who's another one? But Philip K. Dick, who was not acknowledged while he was alive, no. has, for the most part, been more than acknowledged in the last 30 years. Yeah. I would say Philip K. Dick's name has surpassed Richard Matheson. Oh, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So why have we not done this with Richard Matheson, who probably was more successful when he was alive yeah. than Philip K. Dick? Philip K. Dick died, I wouldn't say in poverty, but fair, fair obscurity. Yeah. Unless yeah. you were a science fiction... Oh, yeah. Yeah, unless, I would imagine that unless you were really, uh, really into science fiction, you wouldn't have known who Philip K. Dick no. was. But you probably would have known Richard Matheson. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, okay. That's all I'm going to say. Do you have anything else to add about Anybody else got any favorite Richard Matheson? And there's a great short story. And let me look up the name. I am so, I am so sorry. I'm really quick. It's called The Funeral. And it would make a, according to Christy Lewis, one of the best short films of all time. It's about all these monsters showing up for a funeral. Vampires, werewolves. It's just a great, great short story. And that went on to become Hotel Transylvania? No. No. <laughs> Haley no. liked that joke. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that is what we call an abortion. <laughs> I actually like Hotel Transylvania. Really? Yeah, and Hotel Transylvania too. I never bothered to watch the sequel. I like them. Oh, my kids like them. And, and I'll be honest, after watching so many other stuff my kid liked, yeah. it's, it's Why it's, did I like it? Because I should have. Because you, you dislike most things. Yeah. I don't know. Is Adam Sandler doing a bad Transylvanian accent? <laughs> What's a good Transylvanian accent? Yeah, not what Adam Sandler did. Because I would argue that Bella Lugosi is not doing an accurate. Uh, no. Well, no, we Bella, argue Go the reason... Bella Lugosi is doing a Hungarian accent. Yeah. The reason he Dracula did. works is because of Bella Lugosi, and Bella Lugosi is playing Bella Lugosi. Yeah, that's all. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I agree. Technically, Todd Browning's classic is not Dracula, it's Freaks. Yeah. Yeah. The Mexican yeah. version of Dracula is a superior film. It just didn't have, have Bella Lugosi as Dracula. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Going off the going off the rails a little bit on that. Well, no, like technically you. Dracula is a book, so we're Dracula still... <laughs> is a book, but they're all based. Oh, God, we could go into that. All Dracula movies, for the most part, are based on the original stage play. Far and few of them are actually taken from the damn book. Yeah, I believe that's one of the uh, future episodes. Now we don't have to do it. <laughs> I thought we did that. No, we never did a Dracula. We, we episode. didn't do that one then. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So, uh, my second author I'm going to bring up is... <laughs> He's got a big mustache in the book. <laughs> is, uh, oh, God. He's Hungarian. I, and it's of the time. It's of the time. I mean, mustaches were... Keep going. <laughs> yeah, now now you got hipster beards. Mm. Well-kept hipster Draculars. And Frank yeah. Welker. <laughs> and Frank Welker. I don't know what that has to do with you. What the hell did you just bring up Frank Welker for? Why wouldn't I bring up Frank uh, Welker? He's a, he's a gym. No... <laughs> Asshole won't do this show because we've never asked him. Yeah, we've never asked him. Um, second author I'm going to bring up is Richard Cadre. Cadre? Dick Cadre. Yeah. Who uh, is best known for the Sandman Slim series of novels he wrote. Oh, it's... I've How actually recommended... close is it to Fat Boy Slim? Com You've got to check out your weapon of choice. Completely different. <laughs> you go with this, you can go, go with that. that. <laughs> no, um, another well, so Christopher Walken. Right? I just love Saint Man Slim because it mixes crime noir with the uh, supernatural. So, who is Saint Man Slim? He is a he is a. It, there's in this world, there's mad magic exists. That sounds just like Cast a Deadly Spell or Witchcraft. 
There were Ooh, two. Just the fact that magic exists, because there's several books like no, that. No, no, film well, noir that magic exists. There were two movies yeah. made out of that. Uh, HBO made them too. Uh, oh. Fred. Fred. Savage. No. Drop Dead Fred? No, Fred from the right. Uh, Tremors. Flintstone. Got it. Not Kevin Bacon. The you other mean Remo one. Williams? Yeah, Fred. I forgot his name. I can't believe I'm blanking on the guy's right? name. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's. He's in. It's called Cast a Deadly Spell. Oh, okay. Never seen it. He, well, plays, the, he plays Lovecraft. He's a detective. Oh, cool. You will love it. And uh, then Dennis Hopper did the sequel. They couldn't get back Fred for some <laughs> reason. I keep wanting to say Fred Gwynn, and that's not... It's not Fred Gwynn. It's not Fred Gwynn. Um, Fred Ward? Fred, Fred Ward. Ward! The wonderful so Haley. Sorry. Come on the show, Fred Ward. I'd love to talk to you about Cast a Deadly yeah. Spell. <laughs> and Remo Williams. <laughs> Let's stick with Cast a Deadly Spell. Um, no, so, uh, but uh, Magic Exists and Sandman Slim, which is not actually his name, um, is uh, conned and gets sucked to hell where he becomes a, gla a gladiator and has to fight demon after demon after demon. And because he keeps winning, he, he um, they give him the nickname Sandman Slim for whatever reasons. I'm um, not going to give away too much of the book. But anyway, he ends up escaping hell, coming back to Earth, and seeking revenge on the man who, who sent him to hell. And it's all and the first book's all about him trying to find this man, and he ends up teaming up with a decapitated head <coughs> that is uh, put onto a, uh, like a metallic centipede body. <laughs> I'm not doing the book justice. But anyway, throughout the series, he... he Riveted. Uh, you know, not to give too much away, but he ends up ruling hell um it's it sam and slim's a great set series of books james do you want to chime in because you like him as well well right? let's say and, and if you're listening to this and you're thinking this sounds a little bit like jim butcher uh dresden files yeah uh, jim butcher is uh, a you've never seen or heard of the dresden files i've heard of the dresden files but i don't know anything about them well the dresden files he's a private detective who uses magic mm -hmm. and he also has a decapitated head that gives him that helps him uh, it's not attached to a caterpillar body or anything like that. It's just a severed head. If it was decapitated, um, it wouldn't be decapitated any longer if it was attached to a caterpillar, would it? Well, it was severed and then, yeah, okay. But anyway, no, these books are, and, and Jim Butcher, shout out to him as well. Um, they're they're really popular. Uh, some people say that, you know, after the first one, he had a phenomenal idea and that there's some in the middle that kind of yeah. weaken a little bit. But, no, they're just... It's it's a very interesting kind of take on on just the the I guess the journey back from hell and winning. Yeah, and he's not necessarily a saint by any means. No, he is a he is an antihero if he's anything. Yeah, so it's um, it's it's a and 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 the author and Richard Codry's description of Los Angeles and hell is very. I think he does a wonderful job enveloping you into that world. Um, Good and word. Thank you. I said letters in those. Yeah. <laughs> Envelops. Envelops. I knew a dumbass once who she would not say envelope. She would say envelope. Like like somebody I know used to say Bologna instead of baloney. I did that on purpose. <laughs> Sure you did, Joe. <laughs> I did. And if I thought you found it annoying, I did it. <laughs> I never found it annoying. I just thought I just had another. I just found another instance to rib you. Aluminium, um, bitches. <laughs> pet, pet, you take your zebra <laughs> and coat it in aluminium, and then you got yourself a horror story and petrol. The aluminium petrol. zebra. Why don't you just call it gas? Bologna. But um, no. And you know, last I heard, they're actually making this into a movie as well. Yeah, I think signed it, the papers. Uh, yeah, that, that movie. He announced it online. It's coming. Yeah. So yeah, we're Richard Codry. Very. If you haven't read the Sandman Slim series, I highly recommend you go and seek it out. James, I mentioned Jim Butcher, but I'm not going to do Jim B Butcher. Ursula K. Le Guin passed away recently. This is their most recent. Your, and, your authors have very interesting names. And last book, sadly. Um, That's how he picks it. The uh, Ursula K. Le Guin, most people, if they know her, know her because of Earthsea. Oh, Earthsea. Earthsea. Oh. She created Earthsea. Earthsea. 
But that I've is probably actually one of her lesser, but sorry, big fans of RC send hate mail to Joe Lewis, Kara. Kara, um, <laughs> bonehead, don't care. <laughs> don't care. Um, no, Ursula K. Le Guin. Send him free Bologna. <laughs> Ursula K. Le Guin. You like it fried. From time to time, but when was the last time you had fried Bologna? Uh, with uh, you all in Mount Sterling, yeah, Kentucky. Yeah, something too long ago. No, um, no, sir. Winchester. Winchester, Winchester, Winchester. Credit where credit's due. But Ursula K. Le Guin died forget. in 2018, <laughs> died this year. Yes. Um, was one of the, was actually named the Grandmaster of Science Fiction. Um, Why wasn't she named the Grandmaster Flash? Because that title was taken by Grandmaster Flash. Does he have baloney? A baloney? <laughs> um, <laughs> the Length of Heaven is one of her books, Ursie. Um, she wrote what Save it, is... Save it, in an envelope. I can't believe we, we brought back something that we haven't done in, what, over a decade? What, Bologna? Bologna. I think I stole that, by the way, from Tim um, Home Improvement. Oh, <laughs> Alan? Yes, he said it on Oprah once. Your Republican ways. Anyway. <laughs> oh, my God, because I hear that so often. You do now. When I was a Republican that, hipster. When I was at the education rally the other day. Um, No, um... She wrote short fiction. She wrote poetry. She literally wrote everything. This was her book she did on writing with David uh, Naimon. Naimon? I may be mispronouncing that. Neil um, Gaiman. Anyway, um, the uh, phenomenal talent wrote one of the short stories that had the biggest impacts on me. I mentioned this, Joe, uh, earlier. She wrote a, a short story that's not really a story called The Ones Who Walk Away from Omelas, um, which is... Probably one of the most depressing and yet engaging things I've ever read. He never um, says things that I can pronounce. The length of... Or uh, that he can pronounce. Oh my, I lost my wallet. What? You you killed it. You, you <laughs> take all the, anyway. Uh, no, something else killed it. Is that the late, late of heaven? Yeah. yeah the, L-A-T-H-E. Um, late hay? Latte. I've always said late, and here's the thing. If you're listening, actually, James is holding up a book with letters on it. Uh, Harlan Ellison actually made one of the comments that it's now been said by other people, but I'm going to mispronounce things because I've read them and never actually heard them said out loud. The late of heaven, something like that. Um, if like you, fedora. You be, <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, James, did that do federal hats? <laughs> if, if you like stuff like The Matrix and stuff like this, you should definitely check this book out. I don't know who Faye Dora is, but I heard she's a pain in the ass. What are you talking about? They made this into a, a TV... Future uh, Bologna. <laughs> they made this into a TV movie that starred Bruce Davidson, Kevin Conway, and a bunch of other people. Um, TV's Kevin Conway? But it actually dealt with the fact that this guy finds that he actually, if he dreams it, it shapes reality. And she wrote uh... this... Uh, way, way before that was a popular thing to be happening. That, explain, that explains um, why it's late. Anyway. For creating. Um, I wasn't being yeah. a smart ass. No, like uh, a wood lathe. Um, and he starts no? to get, Am I the only one he here starts with testicles? To get, he starts to get manipulated <laughs> by other people. Um, well, you got the one. Yeah, I'm keeping my baloney. So many of <laughs> our other that. books, though, are phenomenal. Uh, and as we were talking about... You say Richard, the word phenomenal a lot. If you've read her books, you would agree. Um, if you go back and actually she's also known for pushing a lot of things along with Harlan Nelson she sued AOL and a bunch of other internet companies when they were publishing their books for free mm. she, she was, should she was known as a rabble rouser uh, she refused uh, to go by her initials for those that don't know a lot of female science fiction authors especially in the 50s DC she was, Fontana DC look Fontana it up if you're a example. Um, or if you just are interested in science fiction authors. She did die this year, but she was born in 1929. She started writing in the 1950s. So wait, female authors in the 50s fem had to use their initials so they people would buy their books? Yes, because you didn't want to... Throw. Women writing science it was, fiction? Yeah. Through the 60s. That's yeah. another reason D.C. Fontana... Uh, S.E. Hinton. Huh. S.E. Hinton wrote The Outsiders. <laughs> T.D. Jakes, brother. Yeah. I don't know if any There's of four them. religious folk out there. Yeah. Are, what the hell? But anyway. D. Jakes is not uh, a large black man. He's a female. <laughs> <laughs> Ursula K. Le Guin refused to do that. Um, and she talks a lot about feminism. As you were talking about Richard Matheson, it made me think. One of her big things was she was one of the first people to write an alien species that didn't have gender. 
Mm. And she actually uh, talks about it in this book. She says the biggest problem is the English language. And she talks about the English language has limited authors for years because the Japanese language and Finnish and all these other languages have asexual words. How do you finish without um, sexual words? Uh, anyway, um, but one of the things that she said, Bald, going back no. to your point about Richard Matheson yes. and uh, Philip K. Dick and all that stuff, um, she actually makes a comment because she was named the Grandmaster, but about her own legacy, um, William Gibson, talking about Neuromancer. Neuromancer. And everybody knows Neuromancer. And her comment, I wanted to read this because I thought it was interesting. Neuromancer won the Hugo and many other awards the same time that C.J. Turia, um, who was a female author, also won a Hugo and had started being informed, informing the conversation about and writing science fiction at large, like Gibson. She went on to win the Hugo six or seven years later. Gibson did not. Everybody knows Gibson. Nobody knows C.J. Turia. And her argument is that we still deal with, and C.J. Turia went by her initials. Why? Because she was a woman. And that we're still dealing with science fiction in a world where when you try to do things that don't revolve around gender, she talked about writing a genderless fiction, um, how, you know, her editors wouldn't let her use they, which we would now, I mean, we, we use now for uh, when we're having quote-unquote genderless conversations or how you define gender. She was one of the first science fiction authors to take that on in the 1950s and 60s. So as far as groundbreaking, um, I love Harlan Ellison, and they were contemporaries and friends, um, but she gets credit for breaking a lot of ground that nobody else would touch and being that person that just would not back down. So if you're a strong female author who literally shaped science fiction as we know it, if you've not read Ursula K. Le Guin, Pick up some of her books. She is a machine. And if you get a chance, if you're interested in writing at all, I picked this up uh, within the past week because her talking about writing is like a master class. And her talking about what it means and translating into different languages and being of the time but also ahead of the time. Pick up uh, Ursula Lake, Kayla Gwynn's conversations on writing. Uh, even if you don't read any of her fiction, this is worth your time. There you go. I feel so... How long did he go? He went pretty long. Do we have time to do the rest of the show? And that's this week's bonehead. I'm joking. <laughs> All right. It looks like I, I try better... to educate people on stuff that's quality. It looks like we're going to have to cut. We're going to run a little long. Well, I'll only do three authors. I had four planned. And sorry, David Wong. I'll show. I'll save you for another episode because this guy's name is Alfred Bester. And I know all of my authors I've picked, sorry, so far have been men. Wasn't trying to be sexist. Thank you, James, for educating me on what a horrible person I am. Of course, they had nothing to do with the authors I picked, right? No, no. Oh, yeah, yeah. These are all great authors. You're just a terrible person. Terrible person. Terrible. I said Richard Matheson didn't get the credit I think he deserved. Well, you know who really doesn't get the credit he deserved? Nobody remembers Bester. At least no one... I've ever met, and because I didn't learn about him until the last 10 years. And if you do remember him, you've probably heard the name Bester because of Babylon 5, because that's Walter Koenig's character in Babylon 5. He plays the Psychop Bester, which was... Named the, after Alfred Bester. Uh, named after Alfred Bester because Harlan Ellison was a creative consultant and John Michael Chuzinski is no, a huge JMS as far as his fans go. Yeah. So anyway. Alfred Bester wrote uh, books called Gollum 3000, which is a very bizarre book if you ever get a chance to read it. The Demolished Man, which was probably his most famous book. But the book I'm going to talk to you about today is called The Star is My Destination. Alfred Bester was a way ahead of his time. And there's, if for a few all who are fans of the show, who have listened and watched, know that I'm a huge John Carpenter fan. He's my second favorite director. He's from Kentucky. Yada, yada, yada. And uh, several times... Right behind in, Stephen Somers, right? Stephen Somers. Oh, my God. Deep <laughs> Rising was on the other day, and I watched it. So, uh. suck it. Anyway. <laughs> cinema magic. So, Alfred Bester... Yes, he's magic been, about ocean leeches. Better than the mummy. Tremors and water. It's better than tremors. What it is not better than Tremors. You I take like that it better back. than Tremors. Uh, yeah. Kids, kids, they're both just terrible. Alfred Bester. Alfred, so people have asked John Carpenter, what book would you have liked to, or what would you have liked to have done that you never got the chance to do? The Star is My Destination. And I'd heard that so many times that I thought, well, I've never read that book. Who in the world is this Alfred Bester? I need to chase him down. 
So I went out and found it, and then I proceeded to read most everything I could find. By him. And then, did after actually, that... Did you actually chase him now? Did you well, I chased did you him. He's easy to find He's now. easy to find. He's yes. dead. <laughs> so, and I went to chase down other books and then proceeded to buy the other boneheads. Except, yeah. Haley, I'm so sorry. This is really before we started doing bonehead. Copies. And then one of the boneheads proceeded to lose their copy. Have well, I bought you another me, copy? You bought me another copy. And technically, you didn't buy me that copy. You let me. You loaned me the copy. Uh, yeah, but it's my bigger version, too. It's the, the one bigger version. It's oh, the hardback. suck. You rat bastard. I, I didn't realize you'd lost the hardback. It was I, a hardback. I thought it was a paperback. No, it was a hardback. I wish no, I'd never did. given it to you. You gave me a paperback. Well, I let him borrow it anyway. And then you gave him a bareback. But that's, that's a, that's a totally true. different episode. If you buy a book that's uh, got a bareback, it means it's probably been stolen. You never read The Morning in the Front of it? Alfred no. Belter was breaking... I also rip all the, 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 the labels off mattresses. Alfred Belter... Rebel! was writing science fiction, but I don't know that it's actually science fiction. No, it not happens, that particular book. It happens to take place in the future, and a lot of it's in space, but really it's about revenge. And a lot of his stuff is about, hubris. for example, hubris. Hubris, yeah. if you read a Gollum 3000, which is, it'll take you about 50 or 75 pages to kind of get into it because it's written so weird. A lot of it come to come true as far as reality stars and how people, and a lot of that's in here too. I was wait, and and the thing I will say about that is, if you don't, if you're one of those people, and, and by the way, on the surface, I have to say I hate you, uh, but if you're one of those people, oh, I don't read science fiction, blah, blah, read that book anyway. And the reason I say that is the science fiction part is what maybe the first twenty pages. I mean, it's in space, and no, it's in yeah. the future. But, I mean, but as far as the explaining of the science... It's by no means science fiction. It's as about as science fiction as Star Wars, and people who don't say, know anything about science fiction go, that's that Star Wars, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, shut the hell up. Star well, no, Wars isn't say, science it's, fiction. It's but a space the, the fantasy. Just like space truckers isn't science fiction. But It's probably more <laughs> close than... But the, the quote unquote <laughs> explaining of how the power and all the stuff is yeah, maybe yeah. the first 10, 20 pages. Right. Well, basically, what it is is it, and I know I'm, I'm talking about this because you can also read The Demolished Man's a really good book, too. And not the Gollum 3000 ends, it's just a little harder of a read. You And I don't know that this is the world's easiest read, but it's not bad. Uh, basically, it explains in the future you're able to jaunt. And basically, that's kind of a teleport thing where humans kind of. Uh, we evolve. We evolve. And John thing that you could go from here to your neighbor, next door neighbor's house. You can't really go from planet to planet and all these other things. And then we meet, and thank God's on the back, Gully Foil. And Gully Foil is stuck out in space on a derelict ship. and Effectively he, dying. Effectively dying. And the oxygen's in another room, and he has to go get it. Every so often, like every 30-some minutes, 40-some minutes. one of the parts that I do love about it is, I mean, he's, va he's very much aware some of these tanks are empty. He's one... I picked the wrong tank, tank away from, from dying. dying. So every 40-some minutes, let's say 48 minutes, his tank runs out. He has to go across a little spot of open space to get another tank and come back. And he has to do that every 40-some minutes for weeks on end. That means he can only sleep for 10, 20, 30 minutes time. He is stuck in space on a derelict, blown-up ship trying to get saved. He sees lights. A ship pulls up next to his ship. And he sees the name on the ship, and it pulls away. And that's how the book starts after it explains jaunting. And he says, I will have revenge. Because they left him They dead. left him there. He thought they were saviors, and they left him They left die. him for dead. They saw him, and they left him. And he remembers the name of that ship. And that's how the stars, my destination starts. And you realize, Gully Foil, your hero, is a terrible human being he reaches the ultimate heights and wealth success stardom just to get revenge just to get revenge and he won't let it go at any time he can quit at any time he can live his life isn't that basically the whole story of the count of monte cristo it, it is. is very much like the count of monte cristo it's very much like the count of monte cristo absolutely but it is um but you're so you're saying the count of monte cristo is a terrible person sort of yes in a way if he just stopped what at the end? What does what does the revenge get him? I don't, and that's it. And and, and what he ends up going through. I, I mean, book, I, you brought it up. What no, I mean, what is it? If he just satisfaction, stopped, I guess. What satisfaction is there in revenge? I mean, there's no satisfaction in revenge, but just so, saying. Anyway, he to no, do okay. it's, uh, <laughs> it. Of course, but, I think the Count of Monte Cristo had a little. Well, I don't know. They did leave him there. 
Yeah. The story but, of my destination, though, is just compelling. Like, when Joe said I needed to read it, I think I read through it in about two days, because once I got started, it was just... You just follow him, and he's he's a... he. Uh, and, and I plus, think, he kind of rapes somebody. He's he's a little worse than... Okay. Uh, yeah. But I was about to say that... He takes it to another level. The, and by the way, the rape scene's kind of hinted at, but... Yeah. The other the part about it, though, and Joe said that he's a horrible human being, but at the end of the day, he is... A human being. Yeah, he's flawed. He he's is. Flawed. He's covered in tattoos, and that's a whole other part of the book. Yeah, and, and there's up. there's ways to change your body, but yeah. there's certain limitations, and all of it though just goes like I think the reason I'm fascinated by Bester is he tells these stories set in the quote unquote far flung future, but we're still just <clears> as human, just as flawed, just as, and it doesn't matter how much technology we have or how we evolve. We're still jacked up beings. Yeah, and 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 Chad is right. It's very much that basic plot of I'm going to have revenge. It's been used, what I mean, Moby Dick. Yeah, Wrath um, of Khan. Wrath of Khan. Uh, sorry, I had to. Um, <laughs> God, but no, it Moby is the Dick. best Star Trek film. I, I mean, Moby, well, and it uses Moby Dick. It's quoted in it. I mean, all the best Star Trek is written by whom, James? Oh, and now I blanked on his name. Son of a gun! <laughs> you said it, and it. Oh, Cheers, blocking it. All um, right. Nicholas Meyer. Meyer. I knew I'd remember it if Haley screamed it out. out. <laughs> Nick Meyer. Thank okay. you, Haley. I loved him. I loved that notebook movie he did. <laughs> Eat your blog now. <laughs> Eat your blog now. If you're listening right now, James just rubbed his, his booger-filled nose all over J- Chad's... It's not filled anymore. Orange... Orange shirt. lantern. Orange, that's a that's a thing. Yes, the orange lantern of Avarice, LaFreeze. Oh, by the way, Alfred Besser also wrote many, many comic books. Mm-hmm. And I think he's the one who wrote, really quick, the Green Lantern's Oath. Oh, really? I just did the <laughs> suck it sign, if you're listening to and Chad. And brightest day, and I'm darkest on my, night. Look it up if no I'm wrong. Evil thank you, thank you Neil Gaiman, for teaching me that. By the way, that's a whole other episode we could talk about. Neil, who? Gaiman. Gaiman, I know. All right, I, that's all I'm going to say about Alfred Bester. James, Chad, no, you, James, you, if you want to go. James, I'll, you got the last one. We'll see. The next see I'm going to have to. No, I can't. I, if we got to do one more, <laughs> one more I want to bring up. I'd love to do Ellison, but if we are limited on time, we're at, yeah, we're I've got to bring up. We'll come back to Ellison. We'll have to do another episode we'll because episode I can't not Harlan talk Ellison, about, and we'll just sit here and let James talk. I, I actually have a few Harlan stories. I can't not talk about Octavia Butler. If you've never heard of Octavia Butler, Octavia Butler is a writer. She's a brilliant writer. Uh, Octavia Butler, this is Wild Seed. Did you ever meet a writer you didn't like? Uh, I've met a few. Oh. Not many. Because um, I've never but, met him. I've never been with him when he met one he didn't like. Um, Wild Seed, I've never met him. wrote a dictionary. Oh, I hate it so much. I hate Daniel Webster. Everybody, <laughs> that little Webster bastard can suck it. Um, him and his stupid show. When Wild did he get time to write that dictionary? This was the way I was introduced. Hangs to out with horse punchers. <laughs> Jackass. Really? That's <laughs> really obscure yeah. through Blazing Saddles. Through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Y'all done now? Yeah, it, it took me a second. It's like horse oh. puncher. Oh. <laughs> Webster's dad. <laughs> anyway, uh, this is how I was introduced to Octavia Butler. <laughs> Octavia Butler is an African-American uh, female science fiction writer. Uh, her parents, uh, her mother was a maid. Her father was a shoe shiner. Um, and she got, went to a community college, uh, and the way she credits, she was a great writer in of herself, and Harlan Ellison would say this, but she went to, she got accepted to a summer program, uh, to write because she couldn't afford to go anywhere other way, and one of the guest instructors thought she had talent and said, no, 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 you're going to be a writer. She turned down a job as a secretary, and, um, that guest, uh, author was Harlan Ellison. So Harlan Ellison, if you watch Dreams with Sharp Teeth, she's one of the people. He featured. found a way. <laughs> I don't want to talk about say, Harlan. I'm he going, found a way. I'm going to say, on on at least surface level, Harlan Ellison is the most awarded living science fiction author. Uh, Octavia Butler was legitimately a genius. I'm um, not saying Harlan Ellison isn't, but she got the MacArthur Grant. And if you're familiar with the MacArthur Grant, the MacArthur Grant is given to people that are so phenomenal 
it's a waste if they don't get to do what they want to do. They're the ones who are able to evade the 39th parallel. (laughs) The MacArthur Grant. Go um, up there and kill them, communist bastards. The MacArthur Grant is given to people literally so they don't have to work so they can That's obscure. Um, is how I've introduced her. It's the story of Anyanwu, um, who is um, this human sort of but more or less a god goddess i guess you would say uh she's given birth to tribes originates in africa and all that stuff but she has a parallel doro doro is not immortal he has to basically leap from person to person and he burns them out and he is obsessed with if he can basically control her that her offspring often have power to and there's other people that have power and he thinks that if he can somehow create this being with her that he can live forever. He'll be immortal too and he won't have to... Or that at least things that she influences, when he jumps into them, they don't burn out as quickly. He burns out normal people. There's a lot of commentary on ownership in here. Uh, Obviously, looking at Africa and the fact that she's lived for centuries, the idea of slavery and stuff like that. And and, um, Octavia E. Butler... uh, didn't live too long. She passed away not too long ago. Um, but uh, she wrote the book Parable of the Sower, which a lot of people know more than Wild Seed. Um, but all of her stories, again, look at that intersection of what does it mean to be human? What does it mean to be quote-unquote normal? What does it mean to be uh, all these different things? And she explored that by using these phenomenal examples. Uh, near the end of her life, um, she got writer's block, uh, largely because of some medication that she was on, according to many sources, um, because she had extremely high blood pressure. She had a lot of health problems. And they don't know if she died of a stroke and then fell, which actually is what killed her, or if she fell and then had a stroke after she fell. Um, but Wild Seed and all these books examine... You're um, making it really hard to make jokes. I'm just saying. I'm sorry. Well, it's... it's I know. If you read this... Um, What's fascinating to me about this book is Doro's not necessarily... I mean, he's he's terrible. He abuses people. He kind of, in some ways... I mean, it's commentary on slavery. He enslaves you. When he controls you, you're controlled. He makes Doctor Strange's life so hard. Um, But... Bizarre! He he has been the one companion she has had for millennia. Because that's the only other thing that has survived. And so she has created life, he ends life, and it's this obviously commentary there. But um, the circle, all, it'll be unbroken. All of this, um, again, it's, it's an exploration of myth and of science. And Octavia Butler was a phenomenal author. Uh, I've got this, and I've got one other of her books, and I've read a third one that I got through the library. I'm going to go back and read more. Because as I was saying about this episode, and I thought about what are the authors other than Harlan Ellison, because I do bring him up a lot, and I will bring him up again. Uh, we'll have to do another episode, because I do want to talk about Harlan in detail. But, yes, Wild Seed, Octavia Butler. Um, authors, like I said, that if you want to read and that really have something to say about what it means to be human, this is it. You, uh, my you pick, think he's about to wrap it up? You my, a Lord of the Rings every episode. <laughs> <laughs> They're on their deathbed, you see. Oh no, now they're going to go off. Now we're going to fade to black, and then Haley's going to fade back in. And my point is, uh, Ursula K. Le Guin, Octavia Butler, and Gurney Norman are three very, very different authors who come from three very, very different paths. Um, African-American woman uh, dealing with the fallout of that, being born in poverty. Ursula K. Le Guin fighting against um, heteronormativity and all that stuff. The rest of us get to wrap up all three And then uh, Gurney Norman uh, coming from a poor Appalachian background where he dealt with a family with alcoholism and all that stuff. All three of them created stories that are just phenomenal. Um, Feel free to wrap yours up. No, God, no. And that's about it for Bonehead since we're an hour over. (laughs) <laughs> moving right along if you're Sorry. watching or listening to us I'll right now to speak with if passion. you're on YouTube please subscribe down in your left hand corner on the button if you're on SoundCloud or iTunes please subscribe yeah, there as right. well he doesn't know subscribe left hand corner left left on your left to your left to your and right. make sure you write and leave leave comments lots of comments share it with your friends on Facebook right Twitter social media we need you to be out there we may have some more author guests to, coming up we're working on it he may be able to pronounce Gaiman are we working on it can't tell left are you working right. on it 
I'm working on several different things that I can't talk about right now. I've told Chad about a couple of them, but I can't talk about them yet. Well, obviously Joe doesn't know, so thank you so much well, from Haley was, this week. If Joe wasn't all the time leaving town and leaving me for dead. I, my father retired. I was out of town for a weekend. He time. retired from being Joe's dad. <laughs> I'm done with this. <laughs> That's you his, know what? <laughs> I don't know that you're far from the truth. <laughs> that's the third time his father retired this month. Here's yeah. a block of Velveeta. Get the hell out of my house. Holy cow. I wish I had got a block of Velveeta. <laughs> mm, I melted and eat the cheese. Or it's whatever. not really it's, cheese. I know. We're wrapping it up. Thank you so much. It's been Bonehead. See you next week. Velveeta sponsor us. Before too, I, I gotta get down. my haircut eventually today. I fell down. Oh, doing the five ninety nine haircut? Though? Yes, I need my haircuts. I need all my haircuts. Yeah. Where to put my phone? I'll find it later. Pick it off. It'll ring. Ay yeah 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 y